morning, everybody. It's Monday on Daily Delivery. Michael Rand here with Patrick Royce. Patrick, we had a lot of good stuff to talk about today. A lot of uh, just interesting little stories over the last week, last few days, of course. Uh, baseball trade deadline is tomorrow. Twins, um, we'll see what they're able to do. We had to talk about the Vikings, both Kwesi Dofomensa and Kevin O'Connell saying things in the last, oh, becoming public at least in the last week that caught my eye. And I'm able to talk a little Bill Russell to the basketball legend died over the weekend, age 88. And just watching some of the highlights of him, I don't think I quite had a full appreciation of Bill Russell until I just saw all the montages and what a gifted athlete he was, not just a 11-time NBA champ. But uh, Patrick, um, here's my choice for, at this moment, through 100 games of the Major League Baseball season, most valuable player, the most valuable person, I guess, for the Twins this season, Wes Johnson. ERA in July, Patrick, was 5.30. That was right after he left 29th in the majors. Until this month, it was an asset. Probably a coincidence because I think they were due for a regression. But my goodness, Patrick, the pitching has been awful. They, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know how. I don't even know if they want to to do much here because I don't think they, they thought much of this team going into the season. But uh, what do you uh, would you vote for Wes Johnson for team MVP? Uh, no, I wouldn't, but, uh, that would, uh, you know, he, uh, he might've, uh, he might've seen this coming. I think I suggested a couple of weeks ago after the White Sox series that, uh, maybe West didn't want to face Armageddon. Maybe that's one reason he got out of here. Maybe Could be. He was coming because, uh, you know, I don't think anybody in their right mind, uh, early, early when D- D- Dylan Bundy was the candidate to win the Cy Young for, a three weeks thought that, uh, it was, uh, serious at all. This is, uh, uh, you know, this is just predictable as can be that this pitching wasn't going to hold up, that the starting pitching was going to be, uh, you know, you know, hit the wall. Now the fact that they had two straight well-pitched games in, uh, in San Diego and still managed to lose is kind of, uh, kind of depressing, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think you can look through some of the stuff I've written, and I just keep kept saying this can't, this cannot sustain itself, and uh, it certainly has not. But here's the deal: Did you, you know, Seattle just gave up three of their top five prospects, and right. they actually have some prospects to get Luis Castillo. Right. Everybody's saying, give up your prospects to get these guys. They don't have them they don't have them they got three in the top 100 and one of them is Royce Lewis yes I'm not playing they don't have top prospects to give up who I, I had this thought last night who are we waiting for who are we anticipating to get here in this whole organization you know, we were we were waiting for Buxton. We were waiting for Sano. We right. were waiting for Barrios. We were waiting for. Uh, uh, we've always had a couple of guys on our radar. Who's on your radar? Nobody. They don't have a top flight, surefire prospect in the entire organization. And uh, yeah. the idea that. Oh man, we're going to give up Spencer Steer and two other guys 
and get a pitcher is idiotic. You're not going to go, you know, Tyler Malley is as good as you're going to get, right? The idea that the Twins are going to leap in there and bid for Frankie Montage is idiotic because they don't have the ammunition to make a trade. So, and then, of course, now Kirilov has got the wrist again, so he's off the board as uh, as anyone you could possibly trade. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't think it's a thing that we're going to, we're going to all rip them if they don't make a significant right. trade, they're going to bring in a relief pitcher to, you know, somebody like Daniel Robertson from the Cubs or somebody, but uh, they don't have the ammunition to go out and make a trade just like Seattle did. They sure as hell don't have the end and, and ammunition to make a Frankie Montas trade. So you know, this is, uh, you know, this is, there's not going to be something big that happens on Tuesday. I think there's, you know, they'll bring in a body or two, but it's not going to be anything that's going to, they're going to get ripped for not doing more, uh, making a trade at a higher level. And it's not happening because they can't do it. They don't have the players to do it. No, that's a good point. And I, mean, I don't think they probably should necessarily do it this year with this no. team, but, but, but to your point, even if they wanted to, even if this was not just a nice little story, let's say they were actually, let's say they had actually taken advantage of how bad this division was and they were leading the division by eight games right now, not one game. And you were like, okay, well, you know, preseason expectations, whatever, whatever they were, we just know they're better now than they were. We, we don't necessarily know that, but yeah, you're right. That's, you know, the, the biggest disappointment still got to be the pitching and just how none of these guys have really arrived or panned out. They've all kind of stalled, whether it's injuries, whatever it is. It's it's these guys, you know, Falvey, that was his thing, right? We've talked about that. There was this calling card coming in was he's a he's a pitching guy. They just they haven't developed the pitching to to a degree where either it's helping them enough at the major league level or allowing them to trade for somebody else that 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 to me has got to be the biggest disappointment i'm sure they're disappointed about it too yep uh canarino was the guy they loved he can't yeah. pitch, pitch 20 innings in wichita or something he's hurt for the second straight year winders hurt for the second straight year uh Belazovich is he, he was the man three years ago he's the worst pitcher in st paul which is quite an accomplishment and so you end up just shuffling these 30 year old rejects back and forth, back and forth as though you're going to get some different result with cotton and Cano and guys like this, all this, the scrap heap guys. I mean, these guys, we used to get for Terry Ryan a hard time about his dumpster diving. Right. Terry is out amateur compared to these guys at dumpster diving and you just keep bringing him back and uh uh now it's brad peacock he'll yes. be here. he'll be here in a week maybe aaron sanchez will be starting tonight they're just throwing darts man and i was thinking about this though this could be the zenith right now for about five years mm. correa leaves Sure. Nobody's on the way. Royce, they don't have a shortstop next year. This is, we could be, uh, you know, this could be a complete rerun of the early 2010s. It, this could be, you know, I know the division's bad, blah, blah, blah. 
Kansas City's got more young players than they do. Detroit's got as bad as they've been, has got more young players than they do. Uh, this is, I, I, I think they are on the edge of the cliff right now that this could really get bad. I, that's, you know, because Correa's leaving and, and, you know, I, Miranda can be your DH and, uh, you know, Polanco's getting to the end of his contract. Kepler's getting to the end of his contract. Uh, on the bright side, on the bright side, Sano's getting to the end of his contract. Yeah, he is. That's uh, yeah. How about that? How about that experiment? He slid once, and now it's all over. Unbelievable. You think they're just hiding him now? They just figured out that this wasn't no, working. I think, I think he probably no. They wanted it. I think they wanted him to play some, but uh, I, I don't. I don't buy that. I don't buy okay. that. Okay that they're hiding him. I just think that, especially with the other injuries they have. Yeah, not, that's true. No, they're not, they're not hiding him. He just slid into a base and hurt his knee. It's all over. I don't know what, uh, what, what's happening here, but as I said, Oh man, are they going to call this guy up? No, there's nobody there. That, there's nobody. There's nobody. Unless you're, you know, Seth Stowe's, there's nobody that you know that's on the, uh, <laughs> On the on the cusp here, there's nothing going on in the minor leagues. A uh, couple of guys with hyphenated names who, uh, you know, might have a chance two years from now. But uh, this is, uh, you know, as I, you know, they're going to, as I said, they're going to get ripped for not doing more, but they don't have the ammunition to do more. MGM Wine and Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, pre-mixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice-cold beers and hard seltzers. With over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there's an MGM near you. Head to MGMWineAndSpirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine and Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM. And they're kind of in this weird spot right now. I feel like they're going to get ripped no matter what. It's going to be kind of fun yeah. to watch this happen because, you know, if they don't do anything at all, they're certainly going to get ripped. If they only make a couple little moves, you can say, well, that's not going to help. And if they somehow, like, if they do for some reason push the chips in, they're probably going to have to make a trade that's going to empty out their farm system and they're going to get ripped in some cases for that too. So it's just kind of fun to, fun's maybe the wrong word. It's going to be interesting to watch them. Falvey and watch Falvey and Levine kind of take whatever this take whatever's coming here from fan wise heat wise in the next few days because you know they built a team that is probably a little bit better than they thought it would be and now is in first place on August 1st even if even with everything that's happened they're still up by a game um you know looking at the fan graphs playoff odds it's still like 50 percent that they think you know that fan graphs at least says they're going to get into the playoffs and it's probably going to be as a division winner because i don't think one of those central teams is going to be a wild card even with three wild cards but you know division's bad enough they're just good enough to hang in there they got a bunch of home games in august was it 20 out of 28 this month or in at home yeah, yeah. so you know you, you look at it you say yeah they can still win the division but I don't know. I think this is a mess of their own making, right? They just they just didn't build a good enough pitching staff and not a genuine enough pitching effort to to build this pitching staff from the beginning. And 
Then they got maybe slightly better than expected result from the pitching. You know, Devin Smeltzer gives them some good starts. They just kind of piece it together somehow. But now it's all falling apart. And everyone, everyone's like, well, fix it, save it. And I don't think they want to. No, I don't think they can. I don't think that they, as I said, I don't think they have the ammunition. They took the shot in, uh, in March when they traded for Paddock and uh, Sonny Gray. They yeah. took their shot and uh, Sonny Gray's fine. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's, He's about the only guy they got, and his last two have been really good. Uh, but, you know, Paddock was a long shot. To those of us on the outside, the idea that they gave up $6.5 million in Taylor Rogers to get a guy with a bad elbow seemed very stupid, but they must have been confident that they, uh, you know, that he was going to be able to pitch, and he can't. So they have, you know, baseball is a, is a game of attrition anyway, the, you know, because of the way I, injuries are now diagnosed and stuff, but they have been, um, you know, beat up on the injury front, but uh, you know, the, the pitching wise, you know, I think they took their shot and it did work out. Once Patty got hurt, they didn't have any pitching starting depth and uh, you know, and then Winder too. That's, you know, what the hell? I mean, he's a big, and big, over too. Strong, big, strong looking kid over. Yeah. Over. That's right. I mean, they, the, the, the rotation they imagined once they got gray and paddock certainly is not what we're seeing here. They thought they were seven or eight deep. And, uh, you know, now, now, now you got to tie your wagon to Dylan Bundy for another 15 starts or 12 starts or whatever it's going to be. So yeah, it's, uh, they're, they're, they're prepared to have, uh, people screaming, but I don't think that I think people should realize that, uh, they are not they are not capable of making a trade like Seattle made. No. For, you know, because they don't Frankie Montaz is gonna get three really good prospects and they don't have three really good prospects in their entire system. I saw um they transferred over to the 60 day injured list the other day. That's a that's a big groin strain. Jeez, isn't that what they yeah. called it? A groin strain, 60 day sixty day injured list. Yeah, and they're so you know, crazed about, they might have to do something if they're going to call a Baron Sanchez. He's not on the 40 man. Uh, if he's going to pitch tonight, I, I would guess they're going to pitch Smeltzer tonight, but uh, uh, you know, if they're going to make a move with him, then they got to do something else on the 40 man. It's, it's time to start uh, releasing dead weight, you know, it, yes. on, on, the, on that 40 man. But uh, I don't know. I guess Sano probably, I, I don't know. I think I just let him go. I think yeah. I just let him go. But uh, 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 I don't know if he can do that. I don't know what the rules are when a guy's on the on the injured oh, list, right. if you can do it or not. But uh, it, I mean, obviously, obviously, he's not going to come back. They're going to send him out. They're going to have him on the DL now and send him out again. And you're not going to see him till September if you see him at all again. But I. You know, I, I think I just, you know, as you're moving that roster around, it's, it's over. Everybody knows it's over with the twins and Miguel and they, everybody knows you're not going to get anything for him. So, you know, why bother? Just, you know, let the guy, you know, let the, let the guy go and take him off the forever, at least take him off the 40 man and uh, see if, see if somebody claims him, which they won't. So. One thing that drove me crazy over the weekend, let's talk about that Padres series before we move on to something else. They Saturday, 
Um, you're right. Sonny Gray pitched a good game, but they lifted him after five innings and I think 78, 79 pitches after five innings. Yeah. They, they pull him and they, they get through it fine. But then um, yesterday they let Bundy go out for the sixth and that's where the trouble starts. So how, how do you let Son, how do you lift Sonny Gray? The pitch, I think the pitches were pitches were comparable. I think maybe Bundy had a little less, but not. You know, 79 pitches is not something where you got to say, let's get this guy out of here right away. If it was 90, 95, I could, you know, by today's logic, I could potentially see it. But how do you let, how do you lift your best pitcher and let, but let Sonny Gray go uh, into the sixth and then that happens? I don't know. That, that bothered me. I don't, I don't know. Are they, are they claiming he's still coming? Did he, did he miss? Sometime a while back, a month ago. Well, he's or, missed. He's he's had two stints on the injured list yeah, this year, so I mean, that that's fine. I but I have no idea what the hell they're doing with their pitching. But they, you know, they, you know, some days they decide. I mean, they've had other times they've hooked Bundy because they didn't want him to face the lineup for the third time. Right, and, uh, and that one Smeltzer obviously too. I I have no idea that uh, you know I'm. I, I was telling somebody this uh, the other day about uh, this was not about pitching, but Miranda. Okay. I was claiming the first month he was here that his biggest problem was he never swung at strike one, which came right down the middle of the right. plate. He took it just like Buxton took it for five years, the pitch right down the middle of the yep. plate. And then I see, Correa told him, you're swinging at everything. And I was screaming, no, he's not swinging at enough. He's <laughs> not swinging at the down the middle fastball. He's getting himself in trouble. And then he ends up waving at the breaking, but then, then he yeah. ends up check swinging at the breaking balls. And you know how I determined that? by watching i didn't right. look at any numbers but the other day somebody looked up the numbers for me and he's hitting 450 on the first pitch so you know i don't think they spend enough time actually watching going with the eye test let's go with the bleeping eye test when you watch sunny gray the other day there was no reason to go get him you're right make Make the other team do something that makes you want to get him out of the game, right? Especially when you're going to that horse crap one pitcher bullpen. Yeah. You know, I the rush to get to the bullpen that right. stinks. I saw Rocco say, We really we want to build a bullpen like Milwaukee has. Okay, good luck. Yeah. They got two of the th they got the two best relievers in baseball, Devin Williams and Josh Hader. You got Duran and a bunch of nobody. So, uh, you know, let's not be idiots here. Well, if you and, wanted, <clears throat> and if you want to do that, don't trade away your version of Josh Hader, Taylor Rogers. Uh, yeah, he's not as good as Hader, he but a, he had a lousy July, but he did. Uh, so what, you know? Yes. Yeah. I don't know. They, to me, they're, uh, yeah, you know, and he, you do bring up West Johnson and, whether he, hey, I know, I mean, I know they had a lot of faith in him and stuff, but that is still the mystery of this season. Yes. Why he left in midseason yes. is a mystery. And there's, to me, there had to be something behind the scenes. Yeah. He, you know, there had to be something behind the scenes that because they don't need him 
to go to LSU to be there to talk to transfer portal recruits. They can, there's this thing called Zoom that runs America now, and we're on it right now. <laughs> we he are. can talk to every recruit that they yes. want to come in. He can fly in on days off on an LSU private jet and meet with anybody. There is no reason that he left except there was some something going on within the organization that would cause him to bail uh, in, in the middle of the season. It's, it's unprecedented. It's ridiculous. And there was something behind the scenes that nobody has yet written that's going on. Nobody yet yet undercover, uncovered. Uh, the, something led him to want to get the hell out of here in the middle of the season. And maybe it's because he knew that his pitching was going to collapse because yeah. He, you know, they were doing it. They weren't even doing it with mirrors then, though. It had already started, you know, by the time he left here. But you're right. Statistically, he looks uh, good. But I I also, meeting Pete Mackey, seeing him in action, seeing the lack of uh, – he's not exactly a dynamo. He, he looked like a short-termer to me anyway. I think Colby Suggs will be their pitching coach next year. Okay. If these guys are all still around, maybe uh, maybe Jim Polad deep in his heart is saying, these guys are spending a hell of a lot of my money on ridiculous on, on biomechanics and stuff like that. And meanwhile, the injury list is jam packed. Yes, yes it is. We, our pitching staff stinks. Uh, maybe I should get a crusty old baseball guy in here who's going to say, yeah, we don't need all this stuff. So anyway, yeah. I don't know. But I, I think it's, as I said, if, if if you want one message from me today, it's this is A, they don't have the ammunition to make a big trade. And the second would be your, your much criticized baseball team is on the edge of the cliff for, okay. the, for next season. And okay beyond because there's not diddly in the farm system now what do you mean they just called up tim beckham a youngster That's to right. dh That's yesterday former number one draft choice. dh yesterday overall. he's only 32 years Two, old okay never mind. not first, a prospect anymore first overall uh draft choice but that was uh what 12 2000, years ago. 2008 2008 yeah, 2008 14 years ago but yeah this called up a former number one overall pick what are we complaining yeah, about yeah, we got okay we got uh at, uh, number two over we got how many number one over we got two over number one overall, number two overall what yeah the hell? look at it look at uh, him go now of, yeah you know who's uh you know we got to get off his back about not playing though as much yeah he's playing a lot he's playing he's yep. playing all but one day a week now so yeah he is know. he so. is patrick what do you think about um so it was the USA Today story, like it was a week ago or so now, but it kind of caught legs over the week of Kwesi Adolfo Mensa. This was an interview like in May, apparently, where, you know, he kind of said the quiet part out loud about Kirk Cousins. He said, I'll be frank. The one asset where you get nervous about not burning it down is quarterback, um, says, Kirk Cousins called Kirk Cousins a good quarterback, but quote, we don't have Tom Brady. We don't have Patrick Mahomes. Um, and Super Bowl is more likely to win if you have that quarterback. Very unlikely to have 
that quarterback. Now this became kind of a thing. We talked about this on Access Vikings late last week, but I just wanted to get your thoughts. Um, you know, and Quasi then kind of backtracked and basically said, "I have to talk less." Things like that. I don't think he has to talk less. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. This is just this is what kind of one of those silly stories, but also one of those stories that maybe gives you a window into how he really feels about Kirk Cousins. It's not wrong. It's just kind of maybe a little bit rare that a GM will say. Yeah, we don't really have the quarterback that can probably win us the Super Bowl right now. And maybe I have a little bit of regret for not starting over at that spot right away. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, it was misconstrued and it was a media deal and uh, all that stuff. But uh, I think that uh, he was, uh, you know, pretty uh, confident in his uh, his ability to communicate and uh, throw out uh, very modern terms and uh, and sit down and relax and have a nice long interview with somebody from USA Today. Right. And then when he saw it in print, he was not quite as... Uh, He's like, know, wait, I said that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't have any idea what we have here. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's... Uh, it, it was a reach. There's no doubt about it. It was a, a guy who has never gotten hit on a football field. Uh, you know, a guy with the, no, no background in the game at all. Uh, and, uh, you know, a really uh, bright guy in uh, economics and uh, other, other issues. And we'll see. But uh, I, I think it's, I, I, I find it rather hilarious that uh, he got caught so early. And uh, right. basically, what we, you know what we used to call that? shooting off your mouth and of course that's uh, i made a living doing that but uh, uh-huh. it's uh yeah it's it's hilarious i think and uh, uh but i you know to to me the one that i wrote about the other day is he wants the joyful pursuit of excellence it's football it ain't joyful it's no. the ugliest game ever invented and uh these guys can you know, the fact that uh, Justin Jefferson does the gritty after he scores a touchdown uh, doesn't make it a joyful game because, to me, these guys are the warriors of sports and they're why they're playing this game, I could never figure it out. And it's, uh, but he loves throwing around these terms that are a little bit beyond the reach of uh, the rest of us because he's so immaculately educated and it's nice that he got caught in it. I think it's uh, kind of um, kind of funny. So also well, in that, oh, okay. I, I think the you know, I think the talent level out there is pretty good. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. But the, the other quote from that story that caught my eye was on the math side. I hope it's not going to sound arrogant, but I speak that better than any other general manager. As yes. Mensa said, I don't know that I speak football better than them but my worst thing is probably better than their worst thing. You know what I mean? So I think my ability yes. to communicate in really every room in football, in the football building makes me unique. Not yeah, to sound arrogant, uh, but I'm better I than got, everybody else. Yeah, yeah. I hope the fact you said you hoped it didn't sound arrogant was arrogant in itself. Yeah, right. <laughs> it does sound arrogant. Right. Okay. And yeah. that's fine. You yeah. Know, back it up. Man. As long as they back it up, this is going to be fine. I like Quasi still, but that, that, that interview, I bet he wishes he had some do-overs. Well, it just say don't you know? Just say that without throwing that. Right. I hope it doesn't sound arrogant. Right. That, that that point that causes us all to say, "Boy, is this arrogant?" Right. <laughs> or that, or that tells you that he's thought this quote through before and said, "Boy, does this sound arrogant?" 
ah, I'm going to say it anyway, but I, I hope it doesn't sound arrogant. So I'm going to say that too. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, uh, I think that, uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be quite the new world out there as they try to BS their way through everything and then, but not really give you any information. So we'll, we'll see that. And of course, the other one that we're, that we were talking about earlier is the announcement on the board. That they don't <laughs> videotaping, uh, yes. Just because it would help the enemy. It would yes. help the other side. What but- the hell? Vikings fans, please help our team, not the opponents, and refrain from taking videos of practice. This was on the board the other day at the first you week know, of camp. You know, if I'm out there, I'm saying, oh, hell yes. Why don't I take a video of practice? I forgot. <laughs> I thought of that, yeah. <laughs> can't take a video of practice. Now, they're going to have, they're not going to have guys running through the stands telling you to put down your uh, cell phone, are they? No, he said, um, well, here's the O'Connell quote from the strip story the other day. I understand there's going to be some fans that get excited and maybe not just fans and video some things and put them up there. Ultimately, the goal is, especially for our fans, to understand that they're a part of this team and the excitement and joy of being a part of it. I'm not going to tell anybody sitting in those bleachers what they can and can't do. Um, again, kind of sounds like he is. But understand yeah. there's a reason behind it. It's not just coach speaking. Ultimately, we'll continue to invite folks in as long as we possibly can before we have to start closing things down and start getting ready for our first game. Yes, and is there anything that anybody's ever seen at the first two weeks of practice that's going to help the Packers win? Now, uh, actually, Atterbury texted me this uh, last night and said, this is kind of funny, considering he used to play for Mr. Spygate himself. Yes. <laughs> and he probably knows that, uh, you know, what, what people are capable of finding in practice, but the fact that uh, – uh, you know, there was a lot of videos of Kirk Cousins hitting Justin Jefferson with a long pass. And uh, as, as a lot of guys have had fun on Twitter saying, oh, boy, I bet these now that they now that they know that the, the Vikings might try to hit Justin Jefferson with a long pass, they're uh, <laughs> everything. Right. I don't know. It's it's uh, this is going to be a uh, I think O'Connell is uh, is he's not a. uh Brewster or Fleck type BSer, but I think he's going to do a lot of triple speak, trying not to give you any information. That's see, I think he comes from. I think the Rams are were a pretty paranoid, autocratic team about uh, information, and I got a hunch that uh, he's going to be the same here. It's, it is a, it, it is though the fact that we've jumped to this that they're just one big happy family out there. We've jumped to this conclusion that, uh, boy, it's just a whole new atmosphere out there. Who's, you know, yeah. you know just because they say it is, okay? That, right. That's what they're saying. So, before I wrote a column uh, Saturday about Evil Zim. And the old, I enjoyed uh, that. You know, I enjoyed you know, that one. The whole thing that Evil Zim is the reason for all the thing. I talked to two people who communicate with Evil Zim. Okay. Is they're all telling him, just relax, take the money, because his head is about to explode. I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't love to hear that about it because I, I wish him the best, <laughs> but I, I'm glad you've communicated with people who know him because I imagined yeah. that to be the case, yes. but I, I don't. I, I just, I just have been thinking like, as he's been just you know, catching strays for the last three months on all that's going on here. So how, how is he feeling? Well, it's, it's, it's Jerry Kill and Tracy Clays, you know, being told oh, yeah. how we got to change the yep. culture. We got to yep. change 
everything out here. The reason we stink this season, uh, my first year here as coach, it's year zero because we had nothing right from a nine and four team that won a bowl so game. We when, had nothing. So it's, and Kill couldn't help himself. He when, Zimmer, when is Zimmer going to go on NFL Network or someplace and just, just do the, yeah, the do the Jerry oh hell Kill. no here we go come on Jerry do the killer uh Jerry yeah. Kill the the coincidence of the uh Vikings I mean the t- Gophers opening against New Mexico State this year is uh yes. is pretty amazing and uh, poor Jerry I don't know I gotta I gotta try to get him on the phone uh, here in the next couple of weeks I, I'd like to wait until after they play there they they played five days before they play here they play at Nevada so oh, okay I didn't know that you know, and they're I mean they got they got a whole new operation down there they're finally got a league I think they're going into the Sun Belt in a uh, you know, year or so but uh, for him to take that job uh, anyway anyway, I don't know if, you know, kill finally, there was a, it wasn't on the big 10 network that kill basically before he signed off, ripped, uh, said one more thing. And then he went off on flex for five, <laughs> six, seven minutes. I, I think it was, remember that one. but he went out of his way to go off and we're all waiting mm-hmm. for, uh, yes. we're all waiting for, uh, now I don't think, uh, Zim would, go directly at Kevin O'Connell. No, 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 no. I don't think he's mad at Kevin O'Connell. No, I think it's the, uh, it's, it's the, uh, the, the administration, you know, what is really interesting out there is how they, uh, you know, they brought in the new GM and they brought in the new coach and they brought in on the field, everything, but a lot of the, they kept a lot of the structure of the scouting department and everything else. It's, uh, I think that's fairly unusual. I, I thought I thought we were going to have a massive change there, and maybe now it might be like the Twins. You know, the first year that Falvey and Levine came in, they yeah. kind of kept a lot of guys in place because they didn't have time not to. So uh, that you could see big changes in that in those departments when uh, when this season's over. But yeah. uh, the personnel is not bad out there. I think they'll you know the offensive line's got a chance to be um, top. 12 instead of bottom 12 so um, you know or top 15 or something at least at least tolerable at least not so, the worst of their problems yeah yeah and uh and starting from there they and then then it's like all nfl seasons what's the health gonna be you know if you can you make a lot of predictions and if you lose if you lose two starters you'll be fine if you lose eight you won't so it's yeah. like and then those in those six games that go down to the final minute, are you going to win four? Or are you going to lose four? What did they, did I read that they set a record for the most one score games in uh, NFL history or something Four, twelve, 12 or 13 out of 17, something like that. Yeah. Well, I read. Yeah. So many of them went down to the last play too. It felt like. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, it's nice to know they're a little rattled out there right now that they're paranoid about you, Joe Blow, being out there with your four kids, giving away tips to the Lions <laughs> with, with your videos. And then, yep. uh, and then Qua- our guy Quasi stepping in it so early on. And uh, I, I can tell you, though, I, uh, the comments on my uh, – on my Viking uh, column Saturday, uh, seemed to be strongly pro quasi anti me. So that's, 
<laughs> not a there's, surprise, Patrick. Not a surprise. Here's another transition that we really made. The Viking fan base is optimistic, you know, for the for the most yeah. part. You know, yeah. they they are optimists. And those of us who were around for the four Super Bowls are, you know, the, the post-Randy Moss, and we've talked about this crowd is optimistic. Yeah. And it's kind of sad because I liked it when we were all a bunch of surly son of a guns who expected the worst. Uh, and, and there's reason to expect that with the Vikings, but the fan base is, is, is extremely optimistic these days. You know, there's still 20% of us uh, who, who are fully believe that something's going to go wrong, but uh, that the, the that's a very optimistic fan base that wants to love these new guys. So my yeah. take on modern sports fandom is that people are only truly optimistic when their team isn't all that great. That they when they feel like they can actually feel uh, a sense of feel like some kind of sense of hope without the pressure. I feel like, I feel like Minnesota sports fans in particular get more pessimistic, the better the team <laughs> is because then they're, they're setting themselves up to not get hurt. So okay. it's easy to be optimistic about these Vikings because eh, they might win 10 games and then it'd be a pleasant surprise. I don't think anybody thinks this is a Super Bowl team. Do they? They shouldn't. I don't think so. I, I don't think, but I, I had this thought though, about and go back to me talking about the twins being on the precipice here. You look at the rest of the town, Wild. We're still optimistic unless we can't get the guy out of Russia. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we're, we're optimistic about them. We're really optimistic about the Wolves. And I think maybe for fairly good reason. Yes. And the, I, the more I look at it, the more I like to go bear trade. And the Vikings were always optimistic. And the Twins, you know, baseball in general is has got an audience that's, you know, older and crustier and, uh, and the, and the the people without any knowledge uh, will be ripping the twins for not making a big trade, even though they don't have the players to make a big trade. Uh, so the twins are uh, the twins status is uh, is in great jeopardy for the next few years, I think, because everybody in town is more optimistic about everybody else. Anyway, maybe you should go visit the loons fans who are never optimistic about Sir Adrian Heath, even when they're scoring a bunch of goals. But um... <laughs> Or four, four, we got four. We, we, after averaging one goal for the first 15 games of the year, they're either getting two, three or four. I know. People I know. What do we want? Yeah. Well, I, really quick, Patrick, um, felt like it would be a disservice if we didn't talk at least for a few minutes here about Bill Russell. I obviously did not watch him in his prime, but I was just really struck watching video of him yesterday after his passing at age 88, just, not just, you know, I knew about the rebounding. It did not just, I don't think I had a full appreciation of the athleticism and just, you know, world-class high jumper from what I now understand. And just, you know, obviously such great contributions off the court as well. Um, just a kind of ahead of his time and how athletic and how good he was. You just watch him in some of those games with the Celtics, man, that was, he is certainly one of, it feels like he should be, you know, if not the best player of all time, one of the top five, because just watching him play, he was so dominant. Jeez. Uh, the San Francisco Dons, uh, where he played uh, college ball, they uh, they won back-to-back titles, lost one game in those yes. two 
Pistons. And uh, that was the first, also the first uh, NCAA championship team to have three uh, black starters. Uh, him, Casey Jones, and a, a guy named Hal something, I can't remember. But uh, that was the NCAA tournament was still kind of a nebulous event that not a lot of people knew about. Uh, of course, if Sid was still alive, he would be writing his column about how he had a trade made where he could have gotten at Bill Russell and uh, for giving up Vern Mickelson. But Dick Enrot, the announcer, called the, the broadcaster, talked the Vikings and the Timber, the Lakers out of making that trade. Really? We could have that traditional uh, column from Sid. <laughs> Uh, which Red Armand always denied. But yeah, I mean, one thing you got to remember is it was a really 10 or 12 team league, you know, mm-hmm. winning all those titles. Uh, expansion hadn't really come yet. So there were good teams, but, you know, the, 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 the grind of the playoffs wasn't like it is today. No. Uh, yeah, they were. I mean, I saw Bob Ryan's stat today what was it he played 15 he had he had a period where he played 15 elimination games and went 15 and all like you know in uh in you know what had a period of time where he never lost an elimination game i never really got to deal with him he's one of the few guys that i uh that of that generation that i never uh never really was in an interview with him or anything like that i loved him as when he first got on television as the analyst, once he was done coaching, yeah, he was fantastic. He gave us something we'd never seen before. Huh. Irreverence, great laughter, enjoyment. Now he came back a second time and I don't think he was paying much attention to the league and he was kind of, he wasn't nearly as good, but the first five, six years, he was doing Musburger. I think he was his partner. He was hilarious. And it was, it was, it was, I tweeted that out yesterday and I got some other old timers responding about, uh, about you know, that they were glad that part of him was remembered. Mm. Uh, somebody came up with the one quote he was saying, uh, you know, about the physical nature of the NBA back then. He said, no autopsy, no foul. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was I mean, the that league. Was, that was the kind of stuff he said, but yeah, he was, uh, Poor Wilt, man. He had to go up against him all those years, and Wilt, Wilt only beat him once. You know, yeah. only only beat that team once. Wilt, uh, of course, Russell had all those great players around him and used them to the fullest. Yeah, and but Wilt never really had the same cast around. Yeah. But uh, but it was uh, you know they were they were amazing. What is it? Was a ten in a row? Ten in a row, right? Well, man, Eleven out of thirteen. I can't remember how well, many in a row. In a row, yeah, the uh, yeah, it was, uh, but it was, uh, it was a, it was still kind of a funky little league. But uh, yeah. they, the Celtics were, uh, I mean, uh, it, it, and it is interesting to read the reminded of the, you know, the Boston, one of the most racist towns in America, and he felt a lot yeah. of that. You know, what at the end he said. I never played for Boston. I only played for the Celtics because of the way he was treated in the town mm-hmm. for my select numbers of people. But uh, you know, big in the civil rights movement, and uh, and uh, I, I I heard something yesterday about how the Celtics were supposed to play the 76ers in a playoff game, and when MLK got assassinated, and they. Uh, 
they league kind of begged him to go forward with it to help, you know, get the country to where the riots were all taking place to get the country to, you know, kind of calm down and watch the basketball game maybe and something like that. But then they both went to the funeral and uh, hmm. of Russell had marched with, uh, you know, marched with them. Okay. Right. Movement. So yeah, really a novel guy and still a, uh, you know, you'd still see him quartered the last few years. Yes. He's still fairly sharp. I, you know, he just died because he was 88, I guess. So right. That's what, that's what happens. But uh, to have a, he was an amazing athlete, you know, and defensively just, you know, he played defense when nobody in the league played defense. That right. Was that you look back at the scores there. I mean, Wilt averaged 50 points. One right. Year. Average. Yes. Average. <laughs> average 50 points so it was a non-defense league that he played but he blocked shots and played great defense and uh, yeah just a just an all-time um, you know when you talk about dynamic athletes from the 50s 60s 70s maybe the last maybe the last half century of the of the above the last century he's probably in the top 10 oh, for sure for sure guys to be remembered that's for sure so anyway no huge loss for the nba and the sporting world but a great life lived for sure patrick that will do it for us today i'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about next week see what happens that trade deadline baby got a little less than a little more than 24 hours to uh make those big (laughs) bullpen upgrades here we go yeah well and they might need a starter worse than they need a reliever so that's (laughs) Aside from, aside yeah, from that, maybe a couple, my, maybe a couple bats too. I'm not holding my breath. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not prepared to have a parade when they end up getting Daniel Robertson. Okay, that's, uh, that's David probably, Robertson or Daniel David, Robertson? Right, David Robertson. Daniel's the bad, the mediocre infielder. David is the mediocre pitcher. Yeah, excuse me. So, uh, Tyler Molly would be the greatest, the most they get, and I don't know if that's a difference maker or not. So. Probably not. Well, we'll see. We'll find out. Thanks, Patrick. All right. See you.